Hey everybody, it's been a while, but I'm back with a guest appearance on Furkan's YouTube channel. Uh, I've turned this into a podcast recording. We spoke about design systems, how to increase adoption, what they are, what they aren't, and everything in between. Enjoy, and I'll see you all next time. Hey everyone, welcome back to my channel. And today we're gonna to be diving into the real basics of design systems. And I've got a no better guest than Louis Oriash with me, a friend of mine that I've known for a few years and he works for Figma as a design advocate and is no better suited to tackle this problem of like, what is an actual design system? This video is gonna be really talking about the real basics and fundamentals. So by the end of this, you'll have a good understanding what design systems are. Louis, do you wanna do a quick intro to yourself? Yeah, no pressure. Thank you very much for the introduction. My name is Louis. As you mentioned, I'm a design advocate at Figma. I write a weekly newsletter that goes out every Sunday. I have my own podcast. And we were talking before about uh, why I sort of generate all this stuff, particularly on social media and Twitter. Uh, I just want to get everything that I've learned and I'm learning along this process out to everybody else. We were talking before about how there is actually a sort of gatekeeping problem in the design industry. And I almost want to smash that wall or gate, I guess, down. And I'm trying to open source everything that I'm doing. Yeah, 100% all about smashing down that gate for gatekeeping. And we know design systems are such a hot topic in the industry and they're only getting bigger. And as a designer, it's really important to understand the basics of this and the fundamentals. So hopefully we'll be able to unpack this. And uh, I'll link all of Louis's links in the description in the below, um, especially your Twitter account. You've got some epic memes on there and I highly recommend people to check out as well as Louis's newsletter and podcast as well. So without further ado, let's get started into um, what is really a design system and the real basics explained in around 10 words. So for someone that's never really understood what design systems are, are we able to really explain this as simple as possible? I will give it my best shot. Uh, I'll see how many words I can get. I'll, I'll trim it down then I'll expand it a little bit. So effectively it's design, code, copywriting, imagery, what that looks like in your organization. So expanding on that a little bit, it's a guide to all of those things. So a guide to how design works, how code works, how components get generated, created, contributed. Imagery, copywriting, really important in that as well because it's actually an entire company effort uh, it might be easier to say what it's not as well. It's definitely not just a set of Figma libraries. It's, it's so much more than that. That's why we call it a system. It's sort of end-to-end -end production of a product and how the different areas of the product team contribute to it. More than 10 words, but hopefully a little bit of a good description. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think that's a really great way of summing up, especially describing what it not is as well, because I feel like there's a common misconception of what UI kits are and then like the difference between a design system and a UI kit. Um, I guess like, how would you explain the real fundamental difference between a UI kit and a design system to someone that's heard these two terms, terminologies so often, especially uh, because they can get confused so easily? Absolutely. And I think it's really important to get that distinction correct because there's nothing wrong with either of them. They're just slightly different things. And a UI kit ultimately becomes part of a system. So most people will start with a UI kit, which is effectively the Figma libraries that I mentioned before. It's a, a list of all your components organized however you want, but it describes your user interface of the product that you're building, whether that's a website or an app or a watch app or something like that. It's components, it's some styles, typography, colors, shadows, all that sort of stuff in a design tool. Whereas the system, 
absorbs that that list of the components and files and that sort of thing and adds the other things so it's the code it's the copywriting it's the how do we take photos and what's our brand style and all that sort of stuff and how do you contribute back to it so the ui kit is one thing the system absorbs that as well as the methods of contribution to it yeah i think that's a perfect way of summarizing the difference especially about for more of a how to use this as well and these principles that you can really like scale up and use across your teams and organizations i guess this like brings us to like one of the most important uh questions and i feel like there's so many ways of like tackling this but there's like what are like really the fundamental benefits of using a design system like for i'd say like the top three uh of using a design system because of this is good there's tons but then you want to really sell this not just to other designers but you want to sell this to like your product managers your engineers when you're looking to actually get buy-in to do this yeah the something I'll expand on one point and we can jump in and out of, of the rest. I think that ultimately there's a target in every single business, and this is not a design problem, it's a business problem of consistency. And you want to make sure that everything you're putting out into the market, as I mentioned before, website, app, Mac app, Windows app, or whatever, looks and feels like your brand and your business and your tone of voice. So that long goal of the consistency actually has a really a significant impact on the return on investment of the design and development and the product um, thinking that you're putting into your business. So we're thinking about consistency, which actually saves you money in the long term or should save you money in the long term. The problem that I find a lot of teams don't think about or consider is that point. And when you find people struggling to justify a design system or getting started with building one is because they haven't considered all the actually the dollars or the pounds that they're going to be saving in the long term by building a repeatable system. So the, the significant benefit for me, at least, is can we save money as a business by repeating certain parts of the design or engineering process? And that comes down to all of us using the same style of input field. If we're not using the same style of input field, our testing might fail or our users might not recognize our brand out in the wild. And that small atomic level change can have a significant impact on how your brand is represented, how your product is used, and whether people are buying the products in the, in the long term. Yeah, I guess um, touching on the whole topics of like the amount of money it can save you by having that consistency across your entire org or like brand. But I can imagine maybe as a startup, that could be a lot harder to sell. So um, how would you actually go about that, especially if you're working on such a small team as well? Um, how would you like go about trying to like pitch that to your team? Like, look, it can actually sell, save us money long term. It's not going to give us immediate value today, but maybe in the next few months, especially the next few years, it's really going to be paying off dividends. Yeah, for sure. And startups are probably the hardest conversation where this happens. And based on my own experience in my previous job at a startup, what I actually did was just went and did it. And I think a lot of the time in our jobs as designers, unfortunately, we have to kind of live the job we want before we get it. And that's the same with design systems is you go out there, you chip away at it, one hour a week, two hours a week or something like that, building up these libraries of components, this UI kit that we mentioned before. And before you know it, you've actually built something that you can then present back to the team and say, hey, look, we spent some time, put the investment in from our side on making something that's repeatable and consistent. And now we want to roll this out to the rest of the organization as a, as a concept, not as necessarily as a design system, but as a methodology. You could then 
talk about that with your marketing team. Hey, look, we have some components that you can build your social media banners with. That's going to save you time doing the same process over and over again. You go to your sales team. Hey, look, we built some components that enable you to build presentations faster. And they're going to start thinking about the dollars they're saving when they're going out and creating their pitch decks for when they're going and talking to customers. When you start to get on the level with the other teams across the organization, that's when it starts to click. And people can see that there's is a repeatable consistency that's going to save time, save dollars, and make everybody a little bit happier because the brand tone of voice is being adhered to across the entire business. And that's not necessarily about design either. If you did want to talk about design, it's about taking screens and saying, hey, look, we have uh, our website that's live over here. And if I take a screenshot of the contact page, the basket page, the about page, you'll notice that the design is slightly different in all of these places. And that's because we're, we're wasting effort and we have inconsistencies across those pages. However, if we apply this layer of this component in this certain circumstance on this page across all of them, we're going to be building once and setting it up forever. So when we think about the, the, the amount of money we spend on engineering or the amount of money we spend on design, if we can save an hour of everybody's time, that is actual money that we're putting back into the business to market it, to get more people to buy the product. Yeah, I think that's a great way of explaining like how you can really get that longevity and value of having that consistency, which can really save you a lot of time. I guess like if I am in a smaller design team and I now understand really the benefits of design systems, look, there's a lot of consistency benefits for your branding. There's a lot of time saving. There's a lot of money saving. There's a lot of efficiency. So what tools do I need to manage a design system? I've heard about design systems now. I know that maybe it might be a good idea to maybe create one. So what tools do I need? Um, I guess it's very dependent on companies, but maybe if you're, got a new tool stack and you can start fresh um obviously figma is like going to be biased and it's like there is going to be one of the best ones you can use but there's obviously a variety and there's diff different ways of going about this yeah the just like any new product team and i'm trying to get away from the sort of design owning the design system language the, the phrase design system doesn't necessarily put us in a good place because it seems like it's something we should own but it's actually something the entire team should own so when we think about a new product team who wants to investigate a design system the conversation might actually be driven not by a designer the conversation might be driven by a developer or a product manager who spots this opportunity to, uh, to optimize consistency. So the developer might already have components that they've built. That's actually likely. So I would open up the conversation firstly, before we decide on anything, developers team, can we set up a meeting? I wanna talk about consistency in your code base. Let's have a look at what you built. Are, are there any patterns? How do you do your naming conventions or this sort of stuff? They will open up that door for you very easily. Developers want to collaborate with designers more. Um, so th this shouldn't be a difficult conversation. Once you've spotted that the developers are building these components so on a repeatable basis, you ask them how they're documenting them. Documentation is a central part of any good design system. And the likelihood is they have a solution already. Whether they've built something custom or whether they're using something like Storybook, which is an awesome uh, documentation platform for free, it's open source for development teams. It also integrates with something like Figma. So you've already sort of starting to tap away and chip away at this broader goal of having a centralized system. If your development team's already got a tool in place, as I said, Storybook might be there, it might not. There are other tools as well that you can use. So I would look for a developer solution. And that means documenting your components from an engineering perspective. I'd look for a management 
uh, tools. So you've probably already got something like Jira, Trello, Asana, Linear, something like that notion even to, to plan and track your design work or engineering work. That's going to be really useful for planning and tracking and managing your design system too. The design system isn't something that you can effectively switch on. You need to plan it. You need to have uh, sprints, if you like, uh, over a significant amount of time to go and track what needs to be built by who and when. So engineering tool, a management tool for the tickets that you're going to be writing to say, let's go and build a table component, something like that. Then you're going to need a design tool to build it or to conceptualize it. And obviously I'm going to be biased here and say Figma can do that, but there are many design tools that you can be using to go and do the same thing. If there's an integration that you need between all these different tools, as I said, Figma has this integration built in, which is why I'd be biased, but you can, you can make it work however you need to. So there needs to be a design solution, a product solution, and an engineering solution. Yeah, I think that's really key is that, look, stereotypically people uh, look at design systems as something that's just owned by designers, but the reality is, is that you need to look at an engineering solution and a product solution as well. And that's what's really going to help you get that buy-in as well as like scale it um, and get basically the whole of the team can grow it together, which is going to be really important longer term, which I think leads on nicely to the le next question, which is... Um, how do you like onboard teams to use like the latest components and offerings as well as say, for example, uh, Figma, they do a new update. Uh, for example, config was last month and there was a bunch of new like auto layout changes and features. I think the biggest one I think of is like last year when variance was introduced, that was like really game changing, right? And you know, like having that is really going to be important for your designers and increase their workflow. So how do you go about like this? They're constantly updating, like Figma's incredible, like the way they release uh, product offerings so quick, it's crazy. But then how do you keep up and get your design system updated and get everyone to be on boarded with these new changes? Yeah, this might not be the answer you're expecting, but I would say take your time. There is absolutely no rush to jump ahead, anticipate, plan for, and actually use new features. If you have a system, as I mentioned before, you need to plan it, you need to plan it, you need to actually do the work and think in advance, what's our new componentry going to be in a month? You've probably got new projects in the pipeline for new landing pages or new features of your app, which are going to require components that need to be planned for. If you try and wedge new features in there, you might actually slow down the process. And the whole point of the system is that it speeds up the process. So what I would try and do is plan for a time when there's a bit of downtime after the existing work that's going on to then have a play around with these features. Something like component props is a really good example of this because it, you could go into your system right now and add all these features to the existing components, but people are using them right now. So you need to think about what impact does any of this work that we're doing in our system have on the work that's in flight at the moment? If there's a high likelihood that it's going to break something or that there's going to be override problems or that somebody's going to actually slow down their work and miss a target or miss a deadline, I would pause and say, do, do we need to do this right now? If the answer is no, then let's just wait until there's a, a good opportunity for us to do that. And the way that that could happen is that you could have a, a quarterly day, something like this, where the team gets together, plays around with new features, and then starts to anticipate a plan and um, optimize for a rollout of these new features rather than it being live because if you're doing it live you're definitely going to run into situations where you're breaking stuff you're pushing updates to your system that aren't ready 
and then everybody's going to be unhappy. You're going to draw uh, questions about the, the reliability of the system and whether it's actually something that you want. So if there are new things you want to test out, you can do it in a separate file somewhere else if you need to, if you want to scratch that itch. But on the actual system itself, I'd tell you, I'd encourage you to pause, take a breath and work out a, a suitable moment to roll those things out. In a team, the, yes. the best sort of design teams I've seen host weekly or fortnightly office hour sessions. And this encourages you to get really close to that systems team and the design teams using them and engineering, if they're interested, to say, look, we're working on these components at the moment. We're anticipating them going to be, they're going to be ready in two weeks at the end of the next sprint. And these are the changes to expect. This is how it's going to impact your files. And this is what we envisage their, their, um, their usage to be like. So getting really close to the team in a, in a Zoom or a Teams or a Google Meet or whatever it is regularly allows people to ask questions, see what you're working on, and then predict a future of those of the component usage. On top of that, you might have a Slack channel or a Teams channel or whatever you're using for design systems team and anybody who would like to be in there to ask questions, to contribute back to the system and say, look, this component's not working for me. Can we make it better or something like that? Yeah, I think um, uh, what you touched on was, look, you don't have to implement the changes immediately. And um, I think the bigger the design system gets, the more designers are using it. For example, working at Facebook on Meta, like it'd be crazy the impact they'd have if they, for example, went about implementing brand new component changes and Figma just releases an update a few weeks ago and they try and implement the impact would be too risky and uh, like you said, it's about actually taking your time to do this in a measured response. And I feel like what you mentioned about office hours works really well, having dedicated Slack channels. And I feel like it can be, as a designer, you want to always use a flashy new stuff straight away. But then it's about having a measured response when it comes to this stuff as well. Otherwise, uh, it'll probably be more counterproductive when it comes to using your design system when it comes to implementing things and they start breaking uh i don't know what's your thoughts on like talking to different design teams in your role across the world so like it sounds like such an awesome opportunity but like have you ha come across like opportunities where design systems have actually um hindered like productivity or they've actually failed designers in some ways like for example top of mind i can think of when uh, some certain like component updates have like been released and then it kind of like breaks my design and I'm like all right I just spent hours or like a few weeks doing this and I've updated components and I wish I never done that update now uh, how do you go about stuff like that and have you got any other interesting stories like to tell from it yeah it, this is a common scenario where there is a disconnect between the systems team and the people using it and a lot of the time I find the issues are actually when the system is over optimized or over designed to the point where it's so complex, nobody wants wants to or can't use it. And that is a really uh, a hot discussion at the moment about how you structure components, how you create them, maintain them, and build them to make it easier for more people to use them. Because ultimately, the design systems team is going to be smaller than the designers using it. That's that's the fact, unless, you work, unless you're the same person working on both. And that is a conversation that needs to be had between all the teams to realize that maybe we need to make these components simpler. And I'm always in favor of optimizing the system for the people using it rather than the people building it. And historically, and you asked for a story, this isn't necessarily a story about anyone in particular, 
but there was a trend for a really nested base component approach to building a design system. And a base component is effectively where you have one that you nest inside another, which you then restyle or re or rejig effectively to make it customized. I've I'm always been against this policy because it means that you're creating complexity for complexity's sake. And my personal opinion is just create more components. It's totally fine. The canvas is cheap. Components are cheap in your system. And if you create more, you can be more descriptive and people can find them a lot easier. So my, my policy on that and the the to answer, to answer the question, what is the, like the, the worst way you can get with the system is kind of linking back to previous point about having a clear contribution method internally where people can feel confident asking for new components, discussing them, saying something's not working rather than inheriting something that is going to break their designs. If you inherit something as a surprise, nobody's going to be happy because it might be over complex. It might be something that you didn't expect. And there's that bit in the middle, which is the communication of every single decision, every single change we're making as a design systems team and as a design team using them, because we're never going to be perfect, but we can get close enough to it by having that channel open to talk about it. Yeah, I guess like on that point about, for example, say if you have a button, like, are you really expecting your design system to have every single variation possible? And you, are you really expecting the design system team to anticipate this? Or do you feel like there should be at least some sort of like flexibility where actually you've got the base level of the actual button here and then you've got various like different types of buttons, like an icon that you've got the primary, secondary, uh, tertiary variants, but then how deep do you actually go? Do you need to anticipate every single uh, type of button that a designer could possibly use? Or are we talking about just like more higher level, like base components here? Yeah, my personal opinion is you don't need to do that, but it really comes down to what your company's approach to design is. If you uh, work really closely with engineering and you work in a sort of rapid prototyping way, you may only end up needing one state of one button because it's already been built in code and you'd rather test your ideas with the production code itself. If you work in a much larger organization where you have to go through a lot more steps with wireframing and that sort of thing, you may need every single state of every single version of component. And that is gonna increase the amount of components you have and have to dig through to find. But if that's how you work, unfortunately, that's what you're gonna need. I would personally prefer to be on the first end of that where I've got a couple of components and maybe there's a hover state on there, something if I want to test a prototype, but I'm happy to keep them as flat as possible because we've probably defined all of that stuff somewhere else. So I wouldn't go down the depth of uh, hover, focused, um, active, all that sort of state for every single component if it's already been coded because I can test that in the product already. I don't need to go and do what is effectively busy work on those components to make it reflect what we have in code but some teams don't have the luxury of uh, working that closely with developers. So you might need more components and that's totally fine. Yeah, and um, I feel like when it comes to this as a designer working with such a big design system in Facebook Meta, like they have such an extensive design system where it comes to the point where there's hundreds of variations of a button and it's more about when I come to finding a button, I'm more looking for the actual anticipation of 
wait, there must be a button here that's secondary with the icon on the right here. And it's got some little border key lines. Someone's already done that. And um, when it now comes to designing, I'm more searching for stuff rather than creating stuff. And then and that brings me to the next uh, topic really, which is around, do you feel like massive design systems can limit your creativity when it comes to like visual execution? And then because has it, has it become more of a drag and drop process when you're creating uh, screens now because everything's been designed out for you when you've got such an expansive design system? Yeah, and this is a meaty one, so I'll try, I'll try and answer it in, uh, in a coherent way. But the answer shouldn't be yes. It shouldn't limit your creativity, depending on how prescriptive it is. So if you have a system where you go down to the template level or layout level where everything is set and you kind of just drop, drop that layout into your designs and, and hand it over. That's where somebody might get frustrated and that's where they might feel like they can't be creative anymore. My, my opinion on it really is that a design system kind of should be the end of the process where you've, you've had the creative exercise, you've fleshed out new ideas, you may need new components or, or you're just sort of combining components into a new shape then you take that into the system and push it out to the team rather than that being defined up front and you being forced to effectively be a production worker and, and you're pulling components off the off the treadmill onto your designs and then pushing it out to the team and there's a, there's actually a actual real fine and difficult balance between how that works so what how i would try and approach it is that i might not even use components in my designs until it's at the stage where we're ready to go through that handoff process to the development team then we'd go through and say do we have a component that looks like this yes or no pull that in change the copy change the style or whatever it needs to be and if we don't have that we'd contribute it back to the system at that moment rather than relying on the system first because i might then get into a really focused state of mind where i can only look at what we already have and the best designs are only ever going to come out when we think a bit more freely so Yes, we have components, they're going to be really great, but going through that flexing out of ideas without them is going to enable you to feel more creative. The design systems team might not be too happy with that because they want everything to be aligned with what they already have. However, a system should be fluid, should be flexible. And if we're not, we have components that aren't doing what they should at the moment, we should be able to add nude ones to it. Yeah, I guess um, on this point about design systems, they should be fluid and flexible and at the end of the day, there's not going to be a component for everything that you want to do on your design screen. So I feel like you should be taking the approach of trying to actually achieve the best design in like your head of like what's possible rather than what looking at what's on offer by the design system right now. Because the best solution might not actually be the one that's already out there with your existing components. And um, I guess this leads on to a point of, as a, like, a junior designer, do you feel like uh, design systems can limit your learning if you're basically encouraged to basically look at the existing components out there? Because there's no real explanation of like how that component was actually created and how it should really be executed and used. Because I felt like at my early stages of when I was in my design career, design systems were very early on and I had the opportunity to actually create one. And it really helped my learning to understand how to use different buttons and components and like how the iOS design system should be used and material design system should be used. But as a junior, like if you're just being presented this massive design system and you're like, all right, I'm just gonna drag and drop these things and create screens, that's gonna really limit your learning. How do you really go about this as a junior? Yeah, the answer is potentially yes. And that comes down to 
the responsibility of the systems team, I believe, to educate everybody else how they're doing certain things. So workshops in design teams should be regular anyway. And that should happen in a way that is encouraging juniors, mid senior, always it's a, a two way street to learn from each other. And that is not just getting a brief, delivering a brief. There needs to be space where people are educating each other on design process more generally, but also how things have been built from a component perspective. And so we've touched on it a few times about design systems teams being open and transparent about what they're doing. And another way that they can do that is to invite people in to watch how they're building stuff or to set challenges or set tasks to say, go and build this alert component. Um, I'll watch how you do it and I'll advise you on how we would do it from a systems perspective. Those really small, like 30 minute exercises can enable you to learn things like component architecture, layer naming, um, style usage, spacing, padding, margins, icons, all that sort of stuff through the use of exercises. And that's my, my favorite way of teaching people anyway, is to set a task and see how they do it. And then advise on how I would probably do it myself because you get to do it through flexing it out yourself rather than just reading a documentation guideline somewhere else. This is how it typically works. You'd have a public, in a large system, you'd have a public website that has documentation guidelines that you go and read and then you use the components. But as you mentioned, you're not really gonna be learning anything at that moment. And we need to have that open, transparent design culture in our design teams to ensure that a junior who comes fresh out of university can learn why you've used 16 pixel padding on that alert component before, rather than just being a given. You need to understand the, the foundational underlaying of why 16 has been chosen. It's probably because it is divisible by eight, but you wouldn't know that unless you get taught that. So having that internal, I guess it's an internal program or internal education system where people can understand decisions that are being made from designers, from developers, from everybody else, is gonna be the only way that somebody can progress. Yeah, totally. And um, I feel like, on this topic, the main thing I'd say is that documentation is really important when it comes to design system, especially for new people joining your team. But then I don't think it should be the be on end all of like, just read this document to understand how to use it. There needs to be more creative ways of getting people to understand how to use things, especially as people come and join different teams, they move around the company, they leave companies, like all of these intentional decision makings, uh, it can't just be... Uh, a document that basically tells you like all that rationale in one go i feel like people need to be more creative in their solution whether that's like through different videos like workshops you mentioned uh, writing does help as well but i feel like there needs to be a bigger emphasis on this especially for juniors in my opinion like it's one thing i've definitely started to notice is that uh someone new that's just come in like then you're losing a lot of learning and uh, rationale thinking about how this design system uh, has been made Maybe I'd even encourage a junior to maybe start in a design system team if they're in such a big company, you know. Um, yeah, something that is worth considering, and I've seen in a few teams, is that they have rotations. So you go through, whether if it's a large company, through departments uh, every quarter or something to learn how they do things. Or if it's a smaller team, you just sit next to, or virtually or in person, next to the design systems team as they're building things out and just absorb what's going on. You sort of become the, the sort of shadow uh, for a day or something whilst they're building stuff out. Another, another really useful technique is design critiques generally, but having those publicly done. So if you have a Slack or a Teams channel, posting your screenshot or your Loom video or whatever service you're using of the work in progress that you're going through, asking for feedback, that process naturally will encourage people to educate you on the decisions they're making. So you post a video, uh, or a screenshot and it's 15 pixel 
padding. And somebody will say, hey, no, we actually use 16 here because of this. And that's where you start to learn and absorb those decisions that are being made rather than it being a given or an assumption that everybody knows it. Yeah, cool. And to wrap up like the last few points really about the design systems, like are there like any main disadvantages of having a design system? We've talked about how good they are. We've like obviously just talked touched on like as a junior, maybe you need to really build up the understanding and rationale of them. But uh, another common thing that I really experienced working on such a big design team with a lot of engineers is that sometimes because an existing component is already made by an engineer, like it can limit sometimes trying to push something new and uh, how do you really go about this because an engineer they've already mapped out this design system with all these existing components you're on a limited timeline and they're just going to be pushing it seems like more uh, more times that the solution that's using existing solutions and existing design components is always going to win and that I guess we're going to talk about the whole creativity thing can sometimes might feel limiting as well yes and this is unfortunately something that every designer needs to get comfortable with and that we shouldn't get too attached or emotionally attached to our designs. And it's one, one of the first things I tell, tell anybody who wants to become a designer is that you, you will have these strong, passionate ideas about something and sometimes you'd have to let them go. And so getting attached to our designs is only going to cause us disappointment and frustration. And it will definitely happen that you come up with a new flashy design with new components and it and rejected is a strong word, but it gets pared down to something that already exists. That is fine. We need to look at that as an opportunity to optimize that process in the future. So if we take it, uh, we document these decisions that are being made that we disagree with, again, strong word, but we take a note of every situation where we're being asked to do something that is already existing or uses a pattern that had been designed somewhere else. We build up our case that we're being encouraged to be less creative than we would like to be as a team. And then we can either do something like encourage that quarterly hack day or have a every six months we get together as a design team and scratch that itch of new creative ideas to ensure that we're getting to that point. The thing we definitely don't want is people to be dis disheartened about them lacking creativity because the system makes the decisions or the engineers are making decisions. The only way we're going to get around that is through communication and saying, hey, engineering team, we appreciate that we already have these components, but based off our opinion, which is not great, we don't think we, these are working or even better, based off our research, these these buttons are not converting or these layouts are not converting. Therefore, we need to try something new. And that data-driven approach is, is hard to do. Uh, I've struggled with that myself in previous jobs to actually get the data. But that's the best thing you can do is put data in front of people's faces and say, look, this isn't working. We need to try something new. Yeah, totally. And I feel like having that research and that data to support your decisions is always going to drive and support your case a lot more. But don't get demotivated, and especially what you touched upon earlier is about don't be too emotionally attached. I feel like as you get more senior, that's a skill that you naturally just build up is that not getting too emotionally attached to your design, because at the end of the day, the best solution isn't just going to be the one that's uh, best from a design perspective, what's best for the whole cross-functional team as well. And um, I guess like a personal anecdote uh, 
end on this topic is something around like look i've um, designed a solution where it comes to like a search pattern in like facebook and um it looks exactly like something you see in the blue app like the facebook blue app where you just press search and it looks very similar and i was like demotivated like in the sense that i was like look i haven't really created anything new here and then i had to change my mindset in the sense that look it's not a bad thing that what i've created looks very similar and consistent across the brand here as well as there's already existing components as a fast solution for the engineers to actually build and it's a different like perspective of looking on things and um, it's really something that you've got to really work your muscle and change your perspective on and like you said design systems are fluid and i think that's one thing to really take away from here um i guess to wrap up uh on design systems what's like uh one piece of the advice or like a place to resource to go if you're a brand new designer to really pick up and learn about design systems or is there any good public open source examples for people to look at yeah, I'd head to designsystems.com. Uh, that's actually a, a website maintained by Figma where we have articles and a list of design systems from around the globe. So head over there, read those articles. They're not necessarily how to make components. They're more uh, companies talking about how they do certain things. So you might get a really good insight into how a company like Stripe, for example, might structure something within their design system. So I'd head over there and just consume that content. Much like every other topic in design, medium.com has a ton of great resources, arguably too much. So take things on there with a pinch of salt, but you should, if you sign up to the newsletter on medium.com, you'll get a ton of email uh, articles suggested to you via email every day. As I said, consume them, don't necessarily take it as gospel, but there is some really good resources on there. Yeah, great. And there's some great Figma YouTube official videos on their channel to watch as well. And um... A good Figma community example of a design system I like is the Uber base UI. Uh, I don't know if anyone else has looked at that, but that's a really good example that I used a few years ago when actually creating my first design system at Ford. But yeah, thank you right. so much again for your time, Louis. I guess, uh, do you want to quickly like plug some, again, of your like links that people can check yourself out and your newsletter, your podcast, your socials? Feel free to find yeah, them. Sure, I would, I would just encourage people Every Wednesday, at least for the past couple of months, I've been trying to send a tweet out where I designed a component and encouraged people to name it. And that for me is the sort of foundation of every system is naming because it's really, really hard. So just go and check out some of the previous Wednesday posts that I've sent. If you want to get into the frame of mind of how people approach a system, you can read the replies and see that everybody is calling them something different. And if you want a little design task, you can try and recreate those components that are designed. So that should give you a strong foundation to get something started with your own libraries. Yeah, I highly recommend everyone to follow Louis and Swint and take part in those challenges as well, because it's, it's crazy when you actually look at all the responses about how different people are going about to lame, name just something so simple as, a, is it a switch or is it a toggle? What is it? Exactly. Um, it and it's pretty fun to take part in. So, uh, yeah, thank you again, Louis. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll catch you again in another live stream and diving into maybe another future topic at some point. But, uh, yeah, hopefully this gives everyone a bit better understanding of design systems and the fundamentals and the basics. But catch everyone in the next video. Thank you very much. All right. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. Of course, if you would like to hear anything else along those lines as a separate type of episode, let me know. You know where to find me. And again, I'll see you all next time. Thanks very much.